1: Good morning,
0: Rutherford County,
1: and my, my, my heart just started working like a 16-year-old because Thomas Booker walked in, and he has got a Lou Gehrig jersey on. Number four. I thought I might make your day. You did make my day. He is one of my favorite ballplayers of all time, and he's the one, as far as I'm concerned, made baseball players look very special during the time that he played and he had such a gracious way of relating to everybody you don't find players like that anymore you don't he was unbelievable and that speech he gave at the at, near the end of his life at yankee stadium and uh, when he he talked about how blessed he was and what a great game baseball was. Uh, the best ambassador ever for that sport. He Nobody had, came close to him. He
3: had a good image. No yes, doubt he about did. It.
1: And as far as playing ability, no one was better. No. I mean, he could do it all the greatest first baseman that ever lived nobody's oh, close to him
3: no i agree with you
1: what was his uh, a lifetime batting average of 340 340 uh, his rbis were out of this world
3: i think he led yeah i think he was all-time in rbi when he retired and yeah i think he led the home runs five times while he played
1: even playing with babe ruth even playing with babe ruth yeah no but, joke there was a lot of competition between those two oh,
3: Heck, have a lot of competition at yeah. first Ruth wasn't a fan of him, but later on they became really close friends. And then when Lou, you know, got sick, he and Babe became even closer.
1: The Yankees were almost automatic every year. They They were. were unbelievable.
3: When you have an ownership who's committed to winning, that's what happens. Yeah. That's why these franchises today, you don't really see that. Or if you do see it, it's just temporarily, you know. Yeah. They try and trade for players and then let them go at the end of the season.
1: Do you think the competition between the Yankees and the Red Sox began back then when Ruth was bought from Boston by the Yankees?
3: No, because the Red Sox in the 1920s were horrible. Uh, Harry Frazee that owned the team, Mm -hmm. he pretty much just sold all the players, most of them to the Yankees. Uh, But the Red Sox of the 1920s were nothing. Even the 1930s really weren't much. Tom Yawke came in and bought the Red Sox in the mid-30s, and, you know, he acquired Lefty Grove, and he acquired Joe Cronin, he requ- he acquired Jimmy Fox, yeah, and started building up a good team in the late 30s. So I think you saw some competition there with the Red Sox. But as far as this whole rivalry that's become a thing the last 20 years, yeah, I don't think it really started more or less, maybe until when Bucky Dent hit the home run in 1978, one-game wild-card playoff. Yeah. I think that's when you really saw that rivalry come out. And, uh, you know, it just escalated in the late 90s when, you know, Pedro Martinez grabbed Don Zimmer and threw him on the ground, and Alex Rodriguez was exchanging some words, you know, with – I forget who it was. It might have been Pedro, but I don't think They were it was. speaking
1: the same language, I presume. Probably. Yeah. Adult language. Yeah.
3: Not good language, but it's a good rivalry, though yeah. no doubt about it. I mean, it's probably the oldest rivalry I guess you could really say in baseball. You know,
1: real rivalry. Yeah. When,
3: when you go back to 1918, and you know they traded Ruth to the Yankees, but you know there there was a lot of players that went to the Yankees besides Ruth, but of course Ruth was one of the big ones. Yeah. That Harry Frazee, he was an actor up in in a uh, Boston theater. Mm-hmm. and I think he was more focused on theaters than he was, you know, on the
1: baseball club. He probably threw the baseball underhanded, right? Probably did. Yeah. Every
3: once in a while. Yeah,
1: I can, I can see that. <laughs> Tell your mom and dad hey for me. I, I sure or will. Or I'll say hey. I, I sure will. I think they're listening. Are, are they? uh Hello if they are. Uh, they're in what city now? They have a home in Troy, Ohio,
3: and they have a home in Wilmington. They kind of go back and forth because of my dad's job he had,
1: so but
3: it's about forty five minutes apart.
1: Wilmington and Troy. Troy? Troy's where I grew up. Mm-hmm. Oh really?
3: About an hour north of Cincinnati.
1: You don't seem to have that uh northern way of doing things.
3: Thank God, no
1: offense. Yeah, you you're you're a great southern boy. Yeah.
3: My grandparents are all well my one grandfather was from
1: Michigan but Ooh,
3: he'd been down here so long; he's pretty much southern. Yeah, till he passed away. So,
1: but I had the strangest thing. Uh, do you know Andy DeMint? Yeah. A- Andy's such a, gr- a great guy, and uh, he always uh, sends me little text of, of important things. And he called me last night and uh, before I went to bed at six o'clock, and, and uh, he said, um, "Truman, is your brother in Chicago, or has he been there?" And I said, no, Andy, uh, he, uh, I don't remember Mike being in Chicago in many, many years. And he said, I thought I saw him there the other day when I was up there. And he said, it looked just like your brother, Mike. So he sent me a text. A doggone if it didn't look like him. <laughs> so I called Mike this morning. I knew it wasn't him. But it was a spitting image. I've always heard that every one of us has got a twin somewhere. I've heard that. I've heard there's like two or three out there that look just like you. Yeah. Or somewhere along, you know,
3: throughout time.
1: Well, I I, uh, I was trying to think. Uh, Paul Newman, I saw him one day. and, and I, But I was actually looking in the mirror. And so it, it, it's hard to... <laughs> Was your brother at a Cubs game or a White Sox game? If he had been there, he would have been at a Cubs game. Boo. But I did talk to him. I knew he hadn't been there because we've we've been together sometimes during that. But uh, it's so funny uh, that how life will kind of throw you a curve every once in a while. You don't really expect it or anything like that. But uh, where are you going in the next few days going to texas
3: going to be back in touch with the 30 30 gang of all 30 ballparks yeah i've been well been to 29 of the current 30 i have not been to the new rangers so looking forward to going to to that with a friend of mine from up in pittsburgh we're going to meet there and
1: go visit you Mickey have Nettle. got a lot <laughs> yeah you be sure to do that oh, okay. we, you, we are. you have got a lot of friends that are baseball-connected through their family.
3: I have a lot of good friends. I'm blessed to have them. I'm part of, I was just telling you, I'm part of the Cincinnati Reds history page on Facebook, and a buddy of mine started it, I think it was in sometime in 2017, but it's grown to 12,400 members. Since then, devoted Reds fans, and I mean, I like Reds history, and I, I don't hate the Reds, but I just don't follow them because I don't get them on TV because... I'm cheap, and I have MLB Network, so I can watch everybody but the Reds. And And they
1: haven't had a good player since Ted Kluszewski.
3: Well, hey, Ted was a good man. Yes, he was. Uh, So I had the. Well, I
1: guess Johnny Bench was all right.
3: Johnny Bench was all right. Yeah. Barry Larkin was okay. Yeah. Someone that big. Well, you know the thing about the the Reds that, and I mean, don't take any offense for anybody that's listening, the big Red Machine's amazing, and I love them. A lot of great players, probably one of the best power hitting teams ever but there's more history to the reds besides the big red machine and it seems like a lot of the reds history used to be portrayed until the big red machine came and now all you hear about is the big red machine so i don't hear
1: anything about it. you don't
3: hear anything about it well there's a lot out there and i think it's just because a lot of those you know a lot of people from that era are, you know of the older age and that's what they remember their memories Mm -hmm. and stuff but uh Today's
1: sports people have no connection to the past. No, they have don't. Have you
3: noticed that? No, they don't
1: at all whatsoever. They start talking about all the great players. That's in the last five or ten years. Nobody back beyond that even belongs no. as far as they're concerned. If you
3: get to the 90s, you're lucky. But then typically if you go to the 90s, they base it off steroids. So Yeah. You know. But going back to the Reds, with the Reds history group, we were fortunate um, – we visited a lot of graves around Cincinnati. We were invited by the Cincinnati Reds uh, this previous weekend. Mm-hmm. They invited us up, me and uh, nine other uh, nine others of us, plus a plus a plus one. So yeah. I, I brought my wife, and they all brought. You know, good for you. Yeah, she had a good time. But uh, the owner of the Reds, Bob Castellini, he uh, gave us a suite for Saturday and a suite for Sunday. Ooh. And, I mean, they they took great care of us. We had a private tour of the Reds Hall of Fame, which I've been to several times, but, you know, get to meet the head curator of the museum, and he walked us around, and they were just very appreciative that, you know, we supported the history of the Reds, going mm-hmm. back to 1869, it's the oldest franchise in baseball, not to continue, not continuously, though. Yeah. They had a couple of years where they did not exist. The uh, Atlanta Braves are the are the oldest continuous uh, franchise. They started in 1871 and they've, you know...
1: Haven't improved since then.
3: Well, a little bit. Not a whole lot, though.
1: Actually, I'm, but, I'm a big Brave fan, but I don't watch sports anymore on television it's just absolutely just sickened me the way that uh, the announcers do their jobs and uh, it's it's, um, it's it's not baseball is still the national uh, it's the greatest sport as far as i'm concerned Sure, and, and it's more patriotic than any of the other groups i know the the nfl and the nba I will not watch any of that, and I've been a sports fan ever since I was born. But they've just uh, completely just uh, tarnished any type of thought that I've had over the years as far as supporting those particular teams.
3: I think the one thing that hurts professional sports this day and age, and I'm seeing it more and more as I go to you know back to more ball games and you know meet people, is. They're doing anything they can do to
1: make money off of it. Yeah, but they're financially hurting now. But they are. You're right. People are starting to stop watching it because it, it, it's not a fun sport anymore. When no. you're having to listen to politics, rather watch the game. Sure.
3: I mean, you look at nostalgia, though, from the history of the game. In, like, 1975, they might have three uniforms for the whole entire season, three home and three on the road. Yeah. And now it's like... You know, they might change their uniform halfway during the game just to have more game-used items available for fans to purchase. Does that uh, make sense?
1: Yeah, it makes sense. Swap out
3: first base every game. Mm-hmm. Uh, foul balls, scuff balls, the umpire takes them, throws them back to the Bat Boy, then the team sells them in the gift shop for $50. Yeah. Who wants a foul tip from John Doe? You know, I just I don't understand it. So... But the Reds' history, though, is neat. We had the honor of going to, uh, like I said, when we were up there, we went to several different grave sites, went to Wade Hoyt's grave, Miller yeah. Huggins. Most of them were all associated in some way, shape, or form with uh, Cincinnati Reds. But we had the distinct privilege to uh, visit two widows of two great former ball players, one a Hall of Famer. We went to the home of Miss uh, Eleanor Kloziewski, 90, yes sir 96 oh, year old lady bless her heart and uh she's a sweetheart we sat down with her for about an hour and a half talked to her and she was telling the stories of ted and i had brought some stuff from ted's career that i had collected and had her sign some of it and mm-hmm. she was very appreciative spoke to her on the phone last night again and she's wanting us to come back she's wanting to go to a ball game oh wow uh the Reds owner Bob's told us that if we ever wanted to bring her, that they would roll out the red carpet for Miss Klazowski For and I know you're gonna do that. Oh, we are, we are. She she gets around really well for a 96 year old lady. She's on a walker though, but she's she's firing brimstone. I mean, she's hardcore. And uh, her and Ted married in 1946. Could not. And they moved to Cincinnati in 1947. Of course, he played with the Reds for 10 years till 57. Mm-hmm. Got traded to the Pirates from the Pirates, he got traded to the Chicago White Sox in '59. Went to the World Series, the Go-Go Sox yeah. against the Dodgers. She was there for all that, telling us about where she said at uh, the Coliseum and uh, uh, Los Angeles during the World Series. And then of course Ted signed as a free agent in nineteen sixty one with the expansion Los Angeles Angels and he hit the first two ever home runs for the franchise. Wow. So she was telling us about some of that, but her and Ted they met I think it was grammar school and they were sweethearts in high school. Where where was that? They were eight miles west of Comiskey Park. I think oh it was my. Argo,
1: Illinois. Uh-huh. But, uh huh. But that's where she was. But once we left her, how did have, the White Sox and the Cubs miss him? Uh, good question. Cause he was a he was a knock. Well, I can tell you this. So Ted Kluszewski, he um,
3: played football. He played in Muncie, Indiana, and there was there was a scout from the Reds who was in Muncie
4: mm-hmm.
3: and happened to see him perform. Yeah. And uh, I think they gave him a baseball tryout, and he could hit the long ball. And so they, they signed him to a contract right then in there. Yeah, he
1: looked like a football player.
3: Very much so. But we left her and went to a couple more grave sites, went to Epirixie. He died in '63. He was the all-time uh, wins leader for left-handed pitcher until Warren Spahn passed him. Um, now, who was that? Epirixi. He played on the... He played for the Philadelphia Phillies. And then I don't he remember him. Well, you probably wouldn't. He had a doctorate degree as a pitcher. I mean, yeah. he's a very smart fellow. Made a lot of money, you know, back in that time period of the teens and 20s with mm-hmm. the Great Depression and all. But uh, went to his gravesite, and um, after him went to Buck Ewing. He was the first ever. He was, I think he was the first catcher inducted into the Hall of Fame. But he died in 1902, but he played in the 1880s yeah but uh after him we had the distinct honor once again to go to the widow of jim bunning oh wow went to her Great house. picture wonderful picture yeah and i was really excited to uh meet her because they married in 1952 had nine children had oh. 35 grandchildren and i forget the great-grandchildren but I think he had to sell trophies to afford Christmas. <laughs> I can understand that. thirty five grandkids. I mean, what do you give them? Yeah, so no, I'm kidding about the trophies. But she invited us into her home, and her son was there. His name's David Bunning, learned he was a federal or he's a federal judge appointed by george bush uh but he serves eastern kentucky yeah but david and his mom mary they took us down into the basement where jim's trophy room still is he Mm -hmm. died in 2017 from a stroke but uh showed us around showed us you know a lot of stuff that he had saved throughout the years and of course jim bunning pitched a perfect game in 1964 against Mm the uh, new york mets at shea stadium So they had several trophies and some balls that were used during the game. Um, And they were just – they were very open. They were very – kind of private people, but they were very open to us, especially once they saw who we were and, you know, they could tell that we were, you know, in love with the history of the game, especially me because the other fellows I was with are more just into Reds history. Of course, I was asking her questions about them being in Detroit playing for the Tigers, the Mm -hmm. 1961 Tigers team that – uh, Jim Bunning was a part of him yeah. and F- Frank Larry were the big one-two punch for, you know, that team. But then, um, of course, Jim going to the, the Phillies. And then, you know, Philadelphia in the 1960s was an interesting place, especially with them playing at Shy Park, the Phillies. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was in the northern part of town, and it was an old industrial part of town that kind of went downhill in the 60s. So she was telling us some of those uh, – Uh, changes that happen with demographics, you know, in the 60s there. Mm -hmm. But she was really interesting and a sweet lady. But once we left her house, we went to Jim Bunning's graveside, you know, paid our respects to him, which was very close. They're in Fort Thomas, Kentucky. They're just south of Cincinnati. Mm -hmm. But then when we went to the ballpark for the, the game on Saturday, the Reds owner had us a surprise. So when we got to our suite, we had Tom Browning for both games. Former Reds pitcher. Yeah. And Tom Browning, he pitched a perfect game in 1988 against the Los Angeles Dodgers who went on to sweep the Oakland Athletics, if you remember, in the World Series. Kirk Gibson
1: hit the shot in game one off Eckersley. Yeah, I can still see him limping around the, the, the pads after he hit that home run in right field. Moving his arm up and down. Yeah, yeah. So,
3: Tom yeah. Browning's an interesting fellow. Super nice uh I think again he was impressed with us because he wasn't having to sit there and tell some dumb story. He was, you know, talking about certain ball players, certain pitches he would throw to ball players. Uh, of course, he was. I think the number two pitcher. He might have been number one pitcher in the 1990 World Series
1: when the Reds swept the Oakland A's. We have a caller on the Uh-oh. line. All right, caller, welcome aboard with Thomas Booker.
4: Uniforms All-Star Game. It looked real
3: good, didn't it? Uh, <laughs> Not it really good. a fan. Don't you? Don't you? Don't you want to wear that big St. Louis cross, you,
4: cross your chest, big STL on the side, and they look so good? <laughs> I, I want to wear one of those when I go to a, when I go to the ball game. It looks so good. That like that like the Braze when they with their pajamas. Or, or Lord, white pajamas. I was
3: surprised they did the that.
4: Pajamas. Yeah, I, I was surprised they did too. Uh, I don't know why they can't just wear their regular uniforms. I don't really understand that. But uh, I do want to ask you too. I don't know. I don't know. I know. I don't know. You, you, you say you you've been in the Pirates ballpark before. I just want to tell you. I don't know if you knew this or not. You know the they have had several generations do a baseball. Harry Carey, Skip, and now Chip. Well, I, I think his, uh, it's his grandson or somebody is doing a Double A baseball in Huntsville. Do you know that?
3: No, I did not.
4: I, I, think, I think his name is uh, Josh Carey, I believe. He's doing –
2: Josh Carey. Huntsville. They used to have the Huntsville bars there years ago. They they have town. I heard they didn't want to build them a stadium, but they've got a team there now.
4: It's called the Rocket City Trash Bandits. That's what their nickname is. And they play in <laughs> Huntsville over there. They play in Huntsville over at the a double A minor league. And I believe he's uh I believe he's, he's the uh, he's their uh voice of the voice of the uh voice of the team. I, you can look it up on online but I believe that's right. I believe he's related to the related to uh, uh, Ch- 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 Chip, carries someone—I do know if he's his son or grandson or how I many generations that is now of them of, 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 of doing a do, doing a ball game. But I, I'm a big Cubs fan. They went on their long losing streak. They lost that no or So I don't know if they're going to be sellers or not. I'm hoping they. Uh, I'm hoping they don't mortgage their future and hope they uh, can uh, you know stay 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 relevant. you see They're not going to win the division or anything. The
3: the rumor on the street is they're going to trade Chris Bryant.
4: Yeah, that's what I've heard. I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if they try to get rid of him before he becomes a free agent. I think Rizzo's going to be a cub for life myself. I hope he is. But uh, I hope they don't get rid of Brian, but I think they will. And, and Bias. I don't know if they're going to keep him. So uh, it's just that uh, they've got a lot of decisions to make, and that losing streak really hurt them. I thought if they had a there, they might have a chance. but. That losing streak just killed him. They couldn't do anything. Well, then. And of, course they, of course, they scored six last night in the ninth and beat the Cardinals. So, who knows? But
3: uh, I enjoy the show. when you talk baseball. guys. I, I appreciate it. Thank you. Yes, sir. It's good talking to you, buddy. I tell you, I was up in uh... – Oh, it's okay. I was up in uh, Pittsburgh earlier this year and saw them play the Cubs, and the Cubs swept them. So, <laughs> maybe I should go to more Cubs games. Seems like whenever I go to a Cubs game, they always win. But – you know, I was kinda of surprised the Reds here recently. They've they've had a horrible time since coming yeah. back from the All Star game. They lost four in a row and then won last night, but the Mets they can't even seem to win either, so and they're both, you know, Reds are second, I think, in the national league in the Central and Mets are first in the East, but who knows? It's just part of the game. But back to Tom Browning mm-hmm. Very interesting fellow, very opened, just kind as could be. Of course, he sat there. He was telling us how he threw a screwball. He was telling us, you know, how they prepared it. Because, you know, back in the day, the National League didn't really ever see the American League, you know, hitters, maybe spring training. Yeah. But he was telling us how the Reds prepared for the World Series in 1990. They had sent scouts to Oakland about two weeks out from the World Series in they were starting to get the idea of what, you know, Mark McGuire, Terry Steinbach, Conseco, Carney Lansford, what they could and couldn't hit. Yeah. And uh, studying some of the pitchers, Bob Welch, Dave Stewart, Eric Plunk, a bunch of those fellas. So it was just, you know, it was neat. It was it was awesome. But it was cool thinking about the fact that so I've got Tom Browning who threw a perfect game, and I had just met Jim Bunning's wife, been to his house who threw yeah. a perfect game. And I think there's been, what, 21 perfect games, 27 perfect games.
1: I used One to, in the World Series. I'm sorry? One in the World Series. Mr. Don Larson. Yes. And he just died, what, two years ago. Yeah. was that, 56? 56. Yeah. Against
3: the them bums. Yeah. But it's just, I don't know. I, I, the history, like I said, I know you are not a fan of current day, which I'm not really either because I didn't even watch the game when I was in Cincinnati. I sat there and talked to – you know, my friends and talk to Tom Browning and, you know, again, it's the history. I just like to read a book and kind of paint my own picture. I guess you could say, and kind of, you know, come to my own conclusion on things.
1: Yeah. I I like, uh, players today that remind me of the, the forties and the fifties and, uh, Mm -hmm. Freddie Freeman for the Braves. Of course, I've been a brave fan ever since they came in. I agree. And, uh, uh, he seems to have the same mindset that they had years ago he, he he's always working hard to perfect his skills and he has such a great attitude and he's very competitive very okay. and uh, I think the other players look up to him which makes uh, the braves an even better team but but oh they've had such bad luck oh uh, uh, Okuna, over the last two years. Okuna was the, 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 horror, or the, the worst yeah.
3: with his injury. I yeah. mean, the Braves are going to be lucky if they come out alive because, I mean, that's a big bat gone for them. Yeah. And I think he might be out the rest of the year. Yeah.
1: Now, tell me about this group that you're with. Because, Which one? Uh, <laughs> well, the the one that invited all you guys up and stayed in the suite and and uh, just just had a great time. Sure, well, it's a book on, or I'm sorry, it's a group on Facebook and it's just called Cincinnati Reds History.
3: And my buddy that lives just south of Cincinnati is a diehard baseball fan, but a Diehard Reds fan, His name's Jeremy Scott. And he came up with the idea, and he had reached out to a friend in Columbus and he had reached out to me about possibly helping him, you know, run this page on Facebook mm. where there's no negativity at all. Yeah. If, you, if you say something negative, you're you're removed from the group forever. We're not gonna put up with it. And uh, you know, this day in history, Red's history, we post. Uh, and just special things that happened throughout Reds' history, Crosley Field, Riverfront Stadium, even current stuff, you know, that happened, Mm -hmm. you know, five years ago. We we, we post that on there. And it's just there's a lot of Reds fans, you know, from, again, being one of the oldest franchises in baseball and going back and a lot of the success they've had throughout the years. Mm Mm-hmm. I guess more recently looking at it, you'd say 1961, 1970, 1972, 75, 76, and 1990. But uh, just a lot of Reds fans. Yeah. So it's a place Reds fans can go, not see any negativity, and learn Reds history. And What
1: would happen if Nashville got a baseball team? And would it be very difficult for them to actually have a team Because you know it's going to hurt Atlanta, and you know it's going to hurt Cincinnati, and maybe St. Louis. So uh, would they be welcomed in to um, play Major League Baseball?
3: I think if a Major League Baseball team came to Nashville, I think it would be a lot like the Titans. Look at how when the Titans moved here, or the Mm -hmm. Oilers from Houston, you know, it was kind of the same demographics you, you you had a team in St. Louis, you had the Rams, you had the Bengals, and you had the Falcons in
1: Atlanta, but the Titans have gone against the culture uh, of this area. They have. You think about it and uh, they have lost a, a a lot of fans over uh, some of the things that they do publicly. But well, again though, but see, I think that's NFL But you take Major League Baseball,
3: like we've just been talking about with the history of the game and the the love and everything. I I think having a team in Nashville, I think it will open a lot of eyes throughout, you know, uh, Tennessee, but then also southern Kentucky and, you know, maybe northern Georgia and northern Alabama. But I think predominantly Tennessee. Yeah. I mean, people in Georgia, people in Ohio, people in northern Kentucky that are Reds fans, they're not going to jump ship and become a Nashville Star fan. Mm -hmm. Uh, That's what they're supposed to be called. But, you know, and then when you go to West Tennessee, of course, my grandmother and grandfather are from Obine County. And they were Cardinals fans growing up. So there's a lot of, yeah. And I don't blame them. If I'd have been born in 1923, 1929, I'd be a Cardinals fan. My dad was a Cardinal fan. There you go. I mean, Cardinals, and I mean, you can sit here and say what you want about baseball teams, but as far as National League teams go, there's no better franchise than the St. Louis Cardinals just as a whole throughout history. I mean, always been successful. Branch Rickey was there, and he actually started the whole, um, um, you know, minor league organization Mm -hmm. to develop players. And that's one reason why they started shining big time in the late 20s, early 30s, throughout the 40s and onward. But uh, I think it would do good having a team
1: here. Um, Oh, I think it would do great. In fact, uh, it would probably fill the stands better than any other team uh, in baseball. I agree. And I,
3: I think it really would. I mean, you've got a lot of people that live here. But then again you've got a lot of people that, that come to Nashville to visit and I'm thinking anywhere my wife and I go and travel, whether it's Minnesota, whether it's Ohio, whether it's you know, New York, anywhere, mm-hmm. Milwaukee, we say we're from Nashville and it's just like a, a, a bomb went off. They're just like, Oh my God, I love that place. Yeah. You know, just Excited about the city of Nashville, and I'm thinking, well, you should have seen it 25 years ago because you know it's it's grown so much over the last 15 years. I mean, Murfreesboro's just exploded. I mean, it was what
1: fastest growing uh, town in the country.
3: Yeah, I mean, Rutherford County as a whole is like what 360,000.
1: Yeah, probably more than 400 when you get right down to it. Okay, well, then these demographics, i mean,
3: I know with the funeral home, for instance, just how much, you know, our call volume's gone up because of the people that's come in. But it's just... You know, are people coming in and just passing away? Typically, they're here for a little while and then pass away.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I yeah. hope they get to enjoy it before they pass away. It's a beautiful place to live. Are most of the people who pass on that Woodfin's takes care of, are they baseball fans? You'd be surprised. Once in a while, you, you do get,
3: you know, I've met some interesting people that are baseball fans yeah. at the funeral home. What am I going to
1: be buried in? What sweatpants sweat what, with a Tennessee T-shirt and a Mickey Mantle jersey? Yeah, number seven. <laughs> and people say you're out of your mind. I could but. put you in number six. That was his rookie jersey number. No, no, no. I'm. I'll go back I'm to just seven. Saying. Yeah, but Let, let's take a quick break. All right, you buddy. To, We'll be back with Thomas Booker.
0: What do you? What do you? If you're looking around your
1: home and it's looking like it's time to update, we can do anything as far as
3: painting, new flooring, anything that you're looking for. If you can dream it, we can turn it into
0: reality. They already did a great job on our bathroom, so when we decided to redo the playroom, Farrah Construction was the only one we called. This
2: is Ron Hall with Farrah Construction. 615-893-6120. That's Farrah Construction Company. Come on out to French's Shoes and Boots second annual Summer Bash presented by Durango Boots Friday through Sunday. French's has 15% off all Durango Boots, plus door prizes, giveaways, food, and much more. Catch a live performance by Matt Rogers Friday 5 to 6.30 and Kimberly Kelly Saturday 1 to 2.30 at French's Summer Bash presented by Durango Boots.
0: It makes good sense to shop at French's. French's Shoes and
2: Boots. 1837 South Church Street in Murfreesboro. Hi guys, this is Mike Vrabel, head coach of the Tennessee Titans. During these uncertain times, like you, I'm focused on keeping my family and myself safe and healthy. While many areas of our lives have been put on hold, health emergencies are still taking place. Don't wait to seek treatment for an emergency. ERs at Ascension St. Thomas Hospitals are open 24-7 and have strict safety precautions in place. I'm sharing this message with all of my Middle Tennessee neighbors. Don't wait to seek treatment for an emergency. Go straight to the ER.
0: This is Lisa Halliburton at Bell Jewelers, and we invite you in to see all the Pandora jewelry that we have in stock, and we have all the latest designs. There's a lot of new pieces for those that are traveling or celebrating special occasions. There's a charm for every memory in your life.
3: Bell Jewelers at 821 Northwest Broad Street. We're across the street from Toots. We're open 10 to 6 during the week, 10 to 5 on Saturday, and close most Sundays.
0: Are you looking for some good used furniture? Well, today's your lucky day. Steered Straight 2 Furniture and Thrift is now open. We're on Mercury Boulevard across the street from Dirt Cheap. Our website is steeredstraightthriftstore.org. That's S-T-E-E-R-E-D straightthriftstore.org. We have lots of used furniture at great prices along with items for only a dollar. Come on by to our newest location where every purchase has a purpose and where every donation matters. We're on Mercury Boulevard across the street from Dirt Cheap. Now,
2: an update from the WGNSRadio.com News Center. I'm Ron Jordan. Officials are implementing a new system for tracking rape kits to help sexual assault cases from being lost. The TBI says that when the Sexual Assault Management System Victim Portal, or SAMS, is operational, victims will be able to follow their kits through the criminal justice process. The system created due to the Jim Coley Protection for Rape Survivors Act going into effect at the start of the month. TBI has a year to have the new tracking system fully in place. As the U.S. economy enters a new phase in its recovery from COVID-19, businesses are adding new positions faster than they can fill them. That is pushing wages higher, especially in the fields like leisure and hospitality that historically have some of the lowest wages for new workers. Latest data from the U.S. Census Bureau on new hires says the average monthly earnings were $3,266 in 2020, a figure that varies widely by industry, job, and location. Tweaks, changes, and adjustments are all staples of off-season programs for football teams around the country, and those teams include the NCAA Football Rules Committee, who have announced a plethora of updates to the existing rulebook ahead of the 2021 season. With major changes to rules concerning targeting penalties, wedge blocking, and number sharing have been implemented in the past couple of seasons, this year's roundup of changes can better be described as tweaks to existing rules and procedures. You can see some of them on our website, wgnsradio.com. Country music icon Dolly Parton going viral after recreating her look as a bunny from a 1978 issue of Playboy. She's published photos of her giving her husband, Carl Dean, a copy of her original magazine cover as a birthday present while wearing the iconic bunny costume. I'm Ron Jordan reporting. News updates around
0: the clock when it breaks and on demand at wgnsradio.com. We are News Radio WGNS. Hello, this is Ken Lane from Bullseye Gun and Range, inviting you to join us at our grand opening event. Check out our newly remodeled retail store and our brand new, beautiful indoor shooting range. Come by Bullseye and browse over a thousand guns. Meet our two full-time gunsmiths and tour the shooting facility. Our new hours are 9 to 7, so stop by Bullseye on Friday and Saturday, July the 23rd and 24th. You don't want to miss the fun, so see you there. We're located on East Main Street, exactly three miles from the town square, one mile past Rutherford Boulevard. Visit us online at BugsTireProsTN.com. Listen live to WGNS
2: Radio on our website and Alexa or Google devices. Search WGNS Radio for on-demand podcasts in iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, and Stitcher. Plus, we have direct links to podcasts at WGNSRadio.com. Good neighbor weather. Mostly sunny skies here this afternoon. Areas of haze at times. A high in the low 90s. Winds out of the northeast around 5 to 10 miles per hour. I'm meteorologist Jennifer Wojcicki on News Radio WGNS. Currently it's 71. You can see six dollar movies on Mondays at Premier Six Theater on Broad in Jackson Heights. That's right, catch a new movie for just six bucks every Monday, plus 46 ounce popcorn, just two dollars at Premier Six Theater on Mondays. From NHC's Adams
0: Place, home of premier senior living on Memorial Boulevard, it's The Truman Show on News Radio WGNS, FM 100.5 and 101.9, AM 1450, and streaming at WGNSradio.com. Aww. And welcome
1: back with Thomas Booker, and we have a guest, so come, welcome aboard. Whoever's calling this morning for Thomas.
5: Good morning. How are you all doing? Casey, how are you? I'm doing better. But let me tell you about my my experience with sports. You all remember a few years back when the gentleman who played basketball, basketball and baseball at the same time, the black sports guy. Do you all remember who I'm talking about? Um, Played two sports at once. Was it Michael Jordan, basketball and baseball. He, uh, at, yeah, at the same time, he played. His team came down to play. the Titans one year. One up. Well, baseball team in Nashville. You all know what I'm talking about. He played oh. both sports at, at the same time. You all know what I'm talking
1: about. It was Bo Jackson. No, he didn't play no. basketball. It was no. It was.
5: It wasn't was Michael Jordan. Or one of them. He one the Michael
3: Jordan did. Yeah, he did. Oh, Michael. Yeah, yeah.
5: Let me see. I went down, like 94. down there. 94. Yeah, excuse me. And, <clears throat> and drove through the wonderful traffic of Nashville. And went, uh, like I said, went through, got in the stadium, got in there and everything. And so I said, well, I can run down to Smyrna and pick my son up because we got a little time. Got down there, got to Smyrna, drove through the wonderful traffic again that time of evening. Mm-hmm. Get back down into the Baldwin Stadium. Get in there, got a a little seat by the dugout. Don't you know that gentleman wouldn't even come out of the dugout and wave at the kids? So you know it was wonderful then, don't you?
3: I I heard it was kind of bad when he was there.
5: It was charitable. I I witnessed this come in, and of course, he was escorted. I guess that's the kind of words you use. I want to use another one, but I'm going to respect y'all today. He was escorted in by the sheriff's department. You know, they we love to be seen. and make, He would not come out and wave. Uh, you know, man, I've been upset at sports ever since. And another thing, the thing about cable television, you don't notice how much it costs to put up a ball game.
3: <laughs> yes, yeah, sir.
5: I'm not mad today. I'm being so good today. Have y'all noticed sports? Y'all, we paying these players?
1: Oh, high dollar.
3: <laughs> it's
1: crazy.
5: It's, it, it, I, I thought it was just me. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, you're playing a kid's game when you play those. I'm gonna take. A, I'm gonna put my out down and take up
4: drinking. <laughs> i I, I
5: love your show man i'm listening y'all have a good day
1: you you take care sir yes sir i I love casey he he i love talking to him i really do and and, uh i guess casey and i go back generations and and uh so he has some dirt on you yeah well everybody's got dirt on me But I've got but, dirt on you. But, but yeah, you do. You will. At, you'll be the last one to throw dirt on me. But <laughs> but but there's something about a kid's game that uh, you you almost have to have that same attitude your whole life. And it, I would have loved to play baseball my whole life because I just absolutely. Uh, I, I, I had such a passion for it. Oh yeah. And I played other sports, but there's something about baseball that that represents our country more than any other sport. And uh, when when you uh, have that fellowship with so many different guys, it, it, it's really really. When, when you see the passion out there, uh, every once in a while you'll see a fight break out sure. over. Uh, like we, we've seen so so many, many years. But uh, it was one of those things that you always have your enemies were the other team. You didn't have enemies in society and all this other stuff that they're trying to create They now. would
3: cuss at people. They would, you know, if someone was Polish, they call them a Polak. Yeah. I mean, they were hateful toward each other. And then what was funny is... I was reading a book the other day, and it was talking about that, what you're just talking about. Yeah. And it said that, like, Al Simmons, who was Polish, would call, uh, uh oh, gosh, what's his name? Uh, Johnny Pesky with the Red Sox. Oh, gosh, I remember Pesky. Well, Pesky was Polish. Yeah. Well, Simmons would scream, you stupid Polak. So one Polish guy is making fun of the other Polish guy. Yeah. Well, then Pesky would scream back and say, I'm Croatian, you blankety-blank. So, I mean, yeah, there, there was a hatred. And I guess there's probably hatred,
1: uh, I'd say, probably through the, I don't know, 70s, maybe. Well, maybe 60s. But it was mostly... One team hated another team. Sure, exactly. It was like the the Dodgers hated the Yankees and, and, and the Giants. Mm-hmm.
3: Well, the and, Giants hated the Dodgers.
1: Yeah, but it went uh, – uh, it's so funny. Now right they're here, all friends. Right here at Adams' place, there's a lady in here, and she's sweet as she can be, and she likes to talk about the Dodgers when they were at Ebbets Field in Brooklyn, and she can relate to uh, – uh, she said she loved – Three or four of the guys she just fell in love with. Them. Of course, she was very young back then. Duke Snyder, probably. Yeah, Duke Snyder. Pee Wee Reese Pee-wee. was She of them. She, just, uh, she just loved the Dodgers. Yeah, Campanella, loved Campanella. and. Um, Gil Hodges, probably. Yeah. But when you're talking about those type things, it, it's um, it's a natural thing you're right what's going on in today's world is not now. I don't I won't get away from that crap got <laughs> that's the reason I gave up my uh cable tv I, I I can't stand to hear all the harshness that's uh being exploited toward one group or another and it just doesn't make any sense to me and I don't like
3: if, it if it doesn't affect me I don't
1: let it you know
3: yeah Trying for everybody yeah, equal. But and
1: sports is sports. Sports is supposed to be yeah. fun. It's like I say, they're all kids' games. Football, may, you may be trying to knock each other's head off, but it's still a kids' game, I mean, and it goes all the way back. Basketball is – I don't watch basketball. I don't watch football. But I will still – if if. If I'm over, uh, maybe it comes on, what, Channel 17? Maybe every (laughs) once in a while there'll be a baseball game. I'll watch it, especially if the Braves are in it.
3: You should read books on baseball. I do.
1: You do? Yeah. Oh, well, good. I didn't know. But I have just ordered a book called The the, uh, Director. Do you know what that's about? A funeral director named Thomas. No, 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 no j edgar hoover uh-huh and my aunt worked for j edgar hoover in washington and i got to meet him and i he met are tired of li- people are tired of listening to that but i was so proud i didn't and know that she told me she just passed away and uh she told me that all the negative things that were said about j edgar hoover were untrue she said they made all this up because he was so powerful they, they wanted to stain his reputation. I believe that. Yeah, oh, I believe it, too. But it just shows you and, and, the things in today's world, um, they're so negative. Oh, they are? And, and baseball is a fun game. I mean, it really is. It may last three hours. The reason it lasts longer is because it's on television and... and and, and that's where they make their money they don't make it off of the people that go to the to the game sure. in, in person but I like what you have told me about the Reds and them reaching out to you guys and it, it's in a very positive way I like that direction and I think that could be a part of if we could have one here in Middle Tennessee, yeah, I would love to, I would almost buy season tickets. Mm-hmm. If You know, and here's what's sad, and I don't understand it. So, I've learned
3: uh, Clyde Deppner is the only authorized historian in Major League Baseball, and he works solely for the Minnesota Twins. Wow. So, that's it. But now, the Cincinnati Reds have the largest Hall of Fame, like, collection-wise, mm-hmm. for fans to come in, view, display. Yeah, The Atlanta Braves used to, at Turner Field, when they moved to SunTrust Park or whatever it's called now, they changed the name already, mm-hmm. they did away with it. They don't have the Hall of Fame anymore. They, they have a, a dedication to Hank Aaron, which is great, and they talk a little bit briefly about the history, and they have like a 1957 Milwaukee Braves World Series ring, but that's it. But before that... Man, they had jerseys going back to 1871. They had a train car that was built in Turner Field that they couldn't get out because it was built into the stadium. They had all kinds of stuff. The St. Louis Browns, I mean, excuse me, St. Louis Cardinals, they have a museum. And it's dedicated to Cardinals history. And they even honor the Browns from 1902 to 1953.
1: Wow. Just because it's history, but <laughs> I understand. They, <laughs> I remember the Browns. I want the because lo- They didn't have enough much. to have them. Hey, we got another caller. Off. Man, we're popular. Y- yeah, they're trying to keep you from talking. That's, That's all right. right. Caller, welcome aboard with Thomas Booker.
4: All right, Pitts. I've got looking at my wall. I've got Ted Williams. I've got uh, Lou Gehrig. That's Garrett, a big name. And I've got Babe Ruth, Ty Cobb, and uh, Lou Gehrig. Lou Garrett, Tom Cobb, and Babe Ruth standing together. And my grandson's on the baseball team. He's 12, and he's sitting there drawing a bat back, smiling like the rest of them. <laughs> I love it. You know, That's what it's all about. This, I, believe, I believe baseball could be cut down on the time a little bit, three-hour games, if they just quit scratching. You're right. Well, You're exactly right.
1: <laughs> okay,
4: bye-bye. Thank you, Charlie.
3: Hey, speaking of him saying that, yeah, the other day we're sitting there watching the ball game, and it was like halfway through the first inning, and I made reference to the group. I saw the Milwaukee Brewers, the bullpen. They were walking from the dugout to uh, uh, the bull, or uh, yeah, the bullpen, mm-hmm. and they typically they, they they walked across the field. It took five minutes for them to walk out there. There was no hustle at all whatsoever, hmm. and you know what he was just talking about, trying to cut down on time and save time. Mm -hmm. They want to issue an automatic walk to first base to cut down on time,
1: but they're going to let bozos walk out to the bullpen
3: and not have to hustle. Were
1: they playing a wild thing while they
3: were walking across? Oh, no, no. It was the opposite. They were going to the bullpen, not from the bullpen to the mound. Yeah. But it was the whole group of – it was the whole bullpen. It was all the relief pitchers. Yeah. And they were just poking the dog, walking out there like they had all day.
1: You know, well, you don't remember it, but I grew up in a time where the high schools had ballparks uh, that, that each one of them played in, but they didn't have bases. They had rocks that you would <laughs> run to, and, and the the fence uh, they kept the cows in. That was the fence where you could hit the home run. And, and we just absolutely loved it. I mean, it, it it, it's just a simple game. Baseball is a simple game, but it, 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 uh, it's one of those that uh, you can enjoy all the things that are going on while you're watching it. Sure. And, and I, I, I watch a lot, of, uh, I used to watch some of the games on television, and uh, I liked the reaction of the fans but how many times did the people actually see the home run as it was hit? Oh, no, you're right. They're looking and talking to each other, but they're enjoying the atmosphere. You're I, right. It, it, it's um, Like I say, if we had 12-year-olds out there playing, uh, look what happens with the Little League World Series, how many people show up for It's that?
3: insane. Yeah. But that's still love for the game versus what this theatrical thing's become in Major League Baseball, and, I mean, I'm just telling you how it is. I don't really care if you like it or not, but the game changed. I think in the 1970s, and it went from a a, a le a, a game of leisure to more theatrical, more production. Yeah. Trying to add stuff to draw crowds. Of course, yeah. back in the 60s and 70s, you had some ball games where there were 5,000 people
1: coming to a game. So I understand trying to get fans into the stadium, but but not not with teams like. Uh that had the major stars. Right. You had uh, Willie Mays, Mickey Mantle, sure. uh, Hank Aaron. You had those. As soon as they walked on the uh, the field, uh, that's when the game started for them. Oh, sure. For the fans. I mean, it, it was really special.
3: But even for Willie Mays. But, but they oh. played
1: like, you know, they still had that kid's attitude toward the game. They did. Yeah. Who who was the best sh- uh, shortstop? Uh, um, Whoever. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I
3: uh, probably Honus Wagner. I mean, if you look at it from overall with the stats and everything, I mean,
1: well, what what if I said which was the best one in Chicago? Oh, Ernie Banks. Ernie Banks loved baseball. Louis Apparicio second. Yeah, uh, Ernie Banks. He, he said, "Let's play two every time he comes to the field. Let's let's play two today <laughs> instead of one." <laughs> I mean, uh, that that was it. it, it was enjoyable, and. Uh, the, the players are making an absolute fortune now, and I'm not sure that they enjoy the game like the, the old-timers did. I think some of them do. But another thing about the players of today, I think there's a lot it's more. It's money. Well, it's money,
3: but I think there's a lot more pressure on them today versus back in the day. Not that there wasn't pressure then, but now, you know, with, with the, the whole TV and everything, I mean that would be hard. ESPN reporting, you know, you can get on your phone and you've got Twitter so you got all these messages about how you bad watch you watch ESPN. No, I don't. Good. But I'm just saying some of those fellows that play today probably do and I'm sure a lot probably pay no attention to it, but just to know that it's They out live there, in today's world. Well that's true too. It's just it's crazy though where it's become and that's why I just like the history of when it was a you know, it was simpler and of course, you know you look at the New York Yankees from now. Bear with me. They won five World Series in a row. Okay.
1: Yeah. So nineteen. In the 50s.
3: Right. Yeah. So from nineteen forty nine to nineteen fifty three, and and the Yankees that played on all five of those teams. So Joe DiMaggio only played on three. Mm-hmm. Mickey Mantle only played on three. The Yankees that played on all five, they never got divorced from their wife. They lived the rest of their life with the same person. And you know how a lot, you know, in the baseball world, they get divorced and everything else, and, you mm-hmm. know, things happen. But I just think it's kind of astonishing. Uh, Vic Raschi, Eddie Lopat, Allie Reynolds, the pitching coach, Jim Turner from Nashville, mm-hmm. Casey Stangle,
1: mm-hmm.
3: all, for example, had the same wife, you know. And that's just, you know, it's, it's old America, but it's it's just not negative. Yeah. You know, there's, divorces can be nasty.
1: Especially when there's a lot of money involved in it. Could be. You're right. Which back then probably wasn't a whole, whole lot, but then
3: again for the time probably was. But I'm with you. I think baseball in the 40s and the 50s were were some of the best, and, and the 60s too. But 40s and 50s, there was something about that era, and not knocking the 60s, but you look at the 60s, like the the San Francisco Giants, for instance, Moved to San Francisco in 1958 from, from New York, yeah. And it was still that simple or that simple lifestyle. But then with the Vietnam War, about 1965, you had Woodstock, you had all the hippies in California, San Francisco, civil rights. A lot of that started changing that, that scene out there. And yeah. in a way, I think it kind of
1: wrecked the franchise. Well, uh, I mean, when, the Giants. When, when you lo- when you move out of. Uh, it, it, the history of baseball mm-hmm. pretty much focused on New York at that time, as you remember. In the 40s and 50s. Yeah, because you had the, the, the Dodgers and Ebbetsville, and, and uh, they were competing with the Giants in the National League. Mm-hmm. And then the number one uh, enemy of those two, of course, was the New York Yankees. Sure. And, and uh, um, they, they were promoted because... Of uh, New York, uh, pretty much controlled uh, what was going on uh, in television and, and, and in the uh, newspaper business and things like that. Mm-hmm. So with that much control, you almost focused on baseball all the time with what was going on in New York City. And, and uh, look, look at all the things that that have been promoted over the years, the shot heard uh, her round the world. Oh yeah. we're, we're talking about the Giants and the Dodgers w- when, when that happened. And uh, it seemed like all the media focused on New York and the teams in New York.
3: What's crazy about that, what you just said, is the fact that you've got these three teams, you've got all this media attention, you got all these fans in New York, and the polo grounds was not the nicest place in the world. I mean, I've studied it before, the pictures.
1: I've been short to the Harlem right right side. Field, short right field. Deep, left, deep center field. center, yeah. But,
3: and then Ebbets Field, you know, they call it this classic palace of the world, you know, like it's the best thing ever. But it's funny that in 1956, 57, maybe even 55 to an extent, that they were wanting a new stadium yeah. at that
1: time. And Very small stadium. Ebbets Field.
3: Ebbets was. Yeah. I think it was 399 to center, and it was uh-huh. like 312 down the right field, and 325, 330 down the left field. But it's just amazing that New York City turned their back on both teams. Mm-hmm. I think if they had known the city that both teams would leave, I think it would have. I think they would have done something to keep you know, at least one of those two teams, you know, mm-hmm. in, in in New York. But, um, like I said, you had the, the Dodgers, I don't know if you're aware of this, but in 56 and 57, they played, I'm thinking it was 12 games in 56 and 12 games in 57 at Roosevelt Stadium over in New Jersey, mm-hmm. Staten Island. Uh, and O'Malley did that more or less as a threat to, uh, hey, we need something.
1: And it's not going to be Ebbets Field. And, of course, you know. O- O'Malley wasn't loved anymore in New York. No, but here's the thing. you got to look at what was given to O'Malley. And they,
3: the, the city of Los Angeles gave him, of course, O'Malley owned L.A. Wrigley Field.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: But they gave him... Uh, Chavez Ravine, where Dodger Stadium is now, Yeah. and they built Dodger Stadium and said, here, move here. So, how can you say no to that?
1: I mean, that's a lot. Yeah. But it shows you the power of everything is money. Oh, powers. it is. It is. I mean, I agree. But
3: when you can't get what you want in New York, and they're going to give you all this in, you know, Los Angeles... I'd say 95% of the people would choose Los Angeles, especially if there's no guarantee that you're ever going to get what you want. He wanted a Dome Stadium on Atlantic Avenue in Brooklyn. Yeah. And uh, the city engineer, uh, I can't think of his first name, last name Moses, I believe, he uh, was trying to give him a site up in Queens mm-hmm. uh, in Flushing, which became Shea Stadium when the Mets, you know, were born in 1962 moved there
1: in 64 but uh you know he wouldn't do it so you have uh sports it has become an elitist attitude Mm -hmm. and they're trying to tell the rest of us how to live our lives you're uh, you're people playing kids games that's become more common yeah and it's just because of the monies the monies controls everything in this country and uh, the sports fans, you know, are pretty common people like us. And, sure. And uh, I've always joined, enjoyed the opportunity to go to a game, especially baseball. And uh, I, I, um, I was going to college games and uh, uh, football and things like that. And and uh, it's. Uh, it's tarnished my attitude to all the things that are going on in the sports industry and they don't know how to fix it and it's going to eventually just turn people away from the game altogether because you have to be able to enjoy going there and taking your kids and your grandkids and Watching the people that you've heard about all your life, but now it's in your living room, and and you—it's everything. It seems to be is concerned with the media is driving things away from the things that we used to love. And there's a lot of people now that like to go outside and
3: just do recreational activities. Yeah, because thank goodness. Yeah, not as much money. Yeah. It's just, you know, I mean, you have to travel places. You have to buy a hotel. You have to go to the game. I mean, it does get rather
1: expensive sometimes. You see these old baseball games where you you see the dad and the mom, and and they're sitting there eating a hot dog together and enjoying each other. And uh, uh, I would like to see that stay with baseball, but... I'm not too sure that it's still going to be alive 10, 15 years from now.
3: be interesting to see. I guess yeah. it just depends on where we are as a society yeah. as to who can and can't afford to go either. I mean, because I'll be honest with you, if I go to a game, I typically just go to the game and watch the game and may get a hot dog, but other than that, that's about it. Because, you know, you can go broke pretty quick, especially, you know, wanting to drink a beer or anything like that. Yeah. They charge $10 for a beer, and people are buying them left and right. But I'll tell you well, this. they got to
1: pay for those big salaries.
3: Well, you're right about that. But I'll tell you this that I'm really shocked of. You cannot use cash in any Major League Baseball stadium. It's credit card only. Wow. Yep. You have to have an iPhone. You have to hit the guy coming down. Some ballparks don't even have the concession or the con- – uh, what do you uh, – uh, what do you, uh, brain fart. What's his name? What'd you just say? Concession. <laughs> brain fart. I can't think of his name. Uh, oh, the vendors yeah, coming the vendors. down the aisles. Well, so, s- the ones that do have the vendor coming down the aisle, there's like a scanner on mm-hmm. his, on his, you know, tray. Mm-hmm. So you have to take your phone, get his attention. You have to hit it, and it's like an electronical transaction of money.
1: What would Kevin Arnold do when the 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 the, the, the beer vendor c- comes down? Well, of course, Kevin, when he's with me, <laughs> he just has to look up in the sky <laughs> and Kevin, forget it. <laughs> if
3: Kevin Arnold's cell phone wasn't fully charged and it died, he, he'd be crying the river, that's for sure. Oh, bless his heart. So, But it's just crazy, though, that you can't even use cash anymore at a ballpark. Yeah, it's stupid. I mean, it's, it's idiotic. And, and that right there alone makes me not even want to be a part of it because, yeah. you know, that's why I like history. You can't change it. You can read a book; it makes you happy. You can connect
1: with everybody in the story, and all's well. Yeah. So. I thank you very much, Thomas. It was an honor, buddy. We, I had a good time run out talking of time, to you. We always We always do, don't we? I, I always enjoy being with you. Well, we'll that, do it again. That—that—that's—that's that's my hour of enjoyment. <laughs> <laughs> all right, guys. We'll see you in the morning at night.